Hey, this is Taylor Strickland. I'm one of the pastors at Second Baptist Church West Campus, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message teaches you, inspires you, and strengthens your faith. To learn more about our Second Students ministry, just check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Search Second Students West. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Good, yeah. Well, I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, no, how are you really doing this morning? It's okay. It's like, it's 945. I'm tired, you're tired, but that's okay. Because uh, if you are tired, uh, perk up a little bit because we are getting into God's Word and there is nothing better than that. So if you don't know me, my name is Karsten. I am the uh, youth intern here for the summer. And so um, I'm just here to hang out with you all. And so uh, I'm honored to be able to uh, teach y'all this morning. And so uh, if you don't know where we're at, we're going through our series through 1 Peter. And uh, today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to be in verses 9 through 12. So Taylor preached last Sunday. We were in chapter 1. We're going into chapter 2 today. And so um, uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into uh, this, uh, this passage. So... Dear Lord, thank you for this day. I pray that uh, as I'm up here uh, proclaiming uh, your word, God, that it will not be me uh, speaking, but you speaking through me, Lord. Uh, help me to just be a vessel up here uh, for your word to, to flow through. Uh, God, thank you for these students. I pray that they uh, will be able to hear your voice and uh, tune their hearts to your will. We love you and praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... Uh, today, like I said, 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 9. So, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourself honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and glorify God on the day he visits. So, a little bit of context so uh, that you have just a, a a little understanding of what is going on here. So this is Peter, and he's writing to Christians who have been dispersed from their home, and they're in Asia Minor. Uh, Asia Minor is modern-day Turkey. So they're in Turkey, and they are away from what they've known for their whole lives, and they don't have, uh, all they have to hold on to there is one another. And so uh, today, uh, this passage is showing us two things. The first thing we're going to dive into is transformation. The transformation that uh, the Lord brings to all of us, and how that relates to our action. Our transformation should then bring action. So, uh, when we, we, we jump into verse 9, and we see there that we are God's chosen people. We are a chosen people, and that is a wonderful thing to be. That is a great place for us to be, because that means that we're now part of God's family. That means that we are chosen by him, and we now are, we are belonging to him. We see that in verse 9 where it says, a people for his possession. We are now in possession by God. God has us in his hands. And there's no better place to be than that. 
And so uh, when we're talking about transformation, and we're here in Texas, so I'm from Oklahoma, and there's nothing. And there's not too much to do in Oklahoma. There is some stuff, but you come down to Texas, and there's places all over. There's Austin, there's Waco, there's Houston, there's Dallas. And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Waco, Texas. Have you all ever heard of Chip and Joanna Gaines in Magnolia? Yeah, we got, we got a fan out here. So uh, what they do is that they take these old dilapidated houses that no one has lived in. They're just broken, run-down, old. And they go in there, and they gut the houses, and they change everything about it. They change the way that the rooms are laid out. They change the way that the floors look, the walls look. And they put in all new furniture, and they put in all new flooring and lighting and everything from the beginning of when you first saw the house to the final product is completely different. They go in and they transform houses from something that is gross and ugly and eyesore to something that is beautiful and something that they can sell on the market and people are wanting that thing. They want those houses that they are selling. So it is a illustration of taking something that is broken and transforming it into something that is good and that is awesome because they're pretty cool. Uh, have any of y'all been to Waco and been to Magnolia and seen all the stuff they have? It's, it's nuts. It's awesome. So, uh, but what's even a greater form of transformation is what God does to our hearts. We see here in this passage that we are transformed by God. It says that we were once in darkness. We were once in darkness, separated from God, and he has brought us into his marvelous light. We once weren't even a people but God has taken us and transformed us, and now we are God's people. And what I think is the most amazing uh, form of transformation is that we were once without mercy. We once did not have any mercy from God. But because of what he did through his son on the cross, we now have received mercy for all of our sin, all of our actions from God, so that we can be in that right relationship with him and be God's people. And so... Our transformation in Christ, it serves as a witness for those around us. People see that, oh, so-and-so, they're going to church, and they were once acting in this certain way, and now they have completely changed, and they are acting a separate way. I know many people that have been able to have a testimony that says, you know, I was once walking in sin. We, we all were walking in sin, and now I'm able to walk in Christ. And to the world, that transformation is something that they don't see anywhere else but within the confines of the Christian life, seeing people come from death to life. They see life change, and life change is a witness to those around us. And with that life change comes an action change. Comes Our actions begin to embody Christ's actions more than our own. And so what does that mean for us? Once we have been transformed through the saving power of Jesus, through his mercy— what does that mean for us? When we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are new creations in Christ. So that passing away, that death passing away, the old has passed away and see the new has come, that is life transformation that people are able to see with their very eyes in your life and my life. And it is a powerful witness seeing something that is old, like that dilapidated house, become something that is new and beautiful. That is what is... That is what God is doing with our lives, and it's powerful, and it's meaningful. And so uh, Peter is giving a, a call on action to his friends 
in verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. And so first he's urging them as strangers and exiles. And like I said earlier, they would be strangers and exiles to this new land that they were living in. And just like they are strangers and exiles in Asia Minor, we are strangers and exiles here on earth because our home is in heaven with Christ, with God. And so while we are here, we still have a sinful fleshly desire that wages war within us, that is fighting against what we know we need to do, which is walk in right relationship with Christ. And so seeing this urge here, it means that we are called to live a life set apart from sin. That is, that is the action call of the Christian, to, to live a life where we are striving to set ourselves apart from sin and to be different from the rest of the world. And so being called to live this life is difficult because it's hard to abstain from desires when you're hungry or when you want, you know, McDonald's and you're driving past the McDonald's and you're like, ooh, those, those fries, now that looks, that looks nice. But you know that it's horrible for you and you don't need to eat that. Desires, that, that, that's that, they wage war in our soul because we know what's right and what's wrong. However, we're called here to live in a way that sets that aside. And to do that, we must be actively living a life where we are diving into God's word, where we are taking steps in our own life to be able to set aside sin. It's not a, it's not a passive, Christianity is not a passive lifestyle. It is an active lifestyle where we are in right relationship, up and down with God in the word so that we can live rightly with others in our horizontal relationships with those around us. That is that action. That is being able to know our, our scripture and be in our scripture and hear the Lord speak to us through his scripture, being in right relationship with him through prayer, and then being able to go out and share our, our story and share our faith with others around us. And that is taking active steps. That is what we are called to do. And so when we're living that life where we're abstaining from sin, that also in verse uh, verse 12, we see sort of the flip of that. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. We hear people all the time say, oh, Christianity's boring. Y'all can't have fun because it just, the Bible's just a rule book of things you can't do. Well, here, it's, it's, not, a, it's, not, a, it's not a don't do. It's a, it's a call to do. And that call is to live a righteous life. We know that God's saving grace is the only thing that can save us. It's not our works. It's not anything that we can do. It's only through God's grace that we can be saved. However, we are called to live honorably among those who are around us. The Gentiles, in this verse 12, uh, conduct yourself honorably among the Gentiles. That would have been the people that these Christians were around, the neighbors, the people they see at the store, the people who they interact with on a daily basis would have been the Gentiles. And, and yet still, they're being called, even though they are different from them and they are set apart from them, they're still called to have honorable interaction and lead, and lead an honorable life around them. And so, people see your actions. And it is extremely, uh, it is extremely important that we have 
knowledge of that, that people see our actions and they see our witness and they're influenced by that. The people that we are around in a day-to-day life, they pay attention to you. They see you. They watch you. And if they know you're a Christian, then they watch your actions. And they see, how is this person living? How is the way this person is leading their life different from the way I see the rest of the people in my life living? And so I have, I have a story. Um, I have a story that encapsulates this. So when I was in high school, I always played baseball. Baseball was, was my thing for the longest time in there. Uh, and the culture in a baseball locker room is not anywhere where I want any of y'all to ever have to be because it is gross and it is just, it's not, a, it's not the place to be. And we had this one teammate on my team and his name was Bruns. And uh, Bruns was a he, was a, he was a wrestler and he was, he was the macho guy. He was the cool dude. And, you know, he would always come around and he would make sure that people knew that he was the top dog, that he was the guy not to be messed with. And he would do anything that he could to make sure that you knew that he would get in your head and that he wanted to be the dominant one in his relationship with you. And so I'd always come in and I would try to be meek and mild and just mind my business and do my thing. But in that, the way I was acting, because I knew I was a Christian, was set apart from the rest of my teammates. I wasn't cussing. I wasn't going out and partying with them after games on Friday nights. I was leading my Christian life, sharing my faith with those around me, and making it obvious to all of my teammates that I was a Christian, and I was not ashamed of that, even to Bruns. And so throughout my, uh, he, was, he was a year younger than me, and so throughout the three years that I had been with him, uh, in the locker room and, and everywhere, going to games, going to practices, uh, I would always try, even to, to everybody, I was always trying to share my faith with him. And it was difficult with Bruns because you'd get to Bruns and he would slander you and he would, he'd cuss me out and he'd say, no, you know what, Kate? I don't need that. I don't need what you have. I have my own lifestyle that I enjoy, that I like living because it works for me. And, you know, year after year, Oh, Kate's, I don't need that. You're, you're a fool for, for believing that stuff. That's all, that's all myth. I don't believe any of that. There's no way. And he, he'd get in my face, and he'd cuss me out, and he didn't want to hear anything that I had to say, nothing at all. And so my senior year, part of my story is that God really grabbed a hold of my heart my junior year and uh, showed me that baseball was my idol. And so senior year, uh, I wanted to do everything I can to give all of that to God. So I was actively sharing the gospel and answering questions in the locker room. And at the beginning of that season, again, I'd gotten cussed out by Bruns, and he told me how goofy my faith was. And one day I'm there in the locker room, and I'm again actively telling Bruns, hey, Jesus loves you, man. I just, I told him that simple phrase, hey, Bruns, Jesus loves you. Even if you won't listen to me, Jesus loves you. And he was walking out the locker room, and as he was walking out, he froze. And he turned around, he looked at me, and his face was different than I'd ever seen it. And his, and his guard was down, and he was vulnerable. And he looked at me, and he said, Karsten... Your whole career with me, I haven't heard you cuss. You haven't gone out and you haven't drank with us. You haven't gone out and you haven't partied with us after games. Why don't you do those things? Why don't you cuss, Karsten? And in that moment, my actions, even though it took a long time, they were seen by him. He was able to to look at my life and say, something's different there. He has something that I don't have. He's acting in a way that no one around us is. Why is that? And he came to me and he asked me, and in that vulnerability, 
he dropped his guard, and I was able to tell him about the gospel. And I wish the story ended with, and then he got saved, and, but that's not the case. And that's not the case, and that's not going to be the case for a lot of relationships that you have throughout your life. And that's okay, because we're called to plant seeds. We're called to till the soil, and that's hard work. Tilling soil literally is hard work, and it's the same thing in our spiritual life. Tilling spiritual soil is hard work, but that's that action that we're called to. That's what we are made for in relationship with God. We're to till the soil of those around us and plant seeds and plant seeds. And you know what? You might be the soil tiller, and someone else that you don't even know might water those seeds in someone's life. And then years down the road, those seeds might grow, and your work will not be seen, but it'll be seen by God. And that's why we're called to have action. We're called to be part of God's family, God's team, for the big picture of people's life. And so in this world, we are surrounded by evil, and we are bombarded by slander. And it's not just to us, but it's the people of all cultures, all religions. Everybody knows that the world is dark, and the world is scary, and the world is just rough. And we see that especially as Christians, and we see that slander personally in our faith. But... We have a call to be set apart from this world. And that call is something that is so wonderful and is so, is so awesome because that means that we get to have this right relationship with God, the creator of the universe. And so as Christians, when we, when we strive to live this righteous lifestyle, we strive to abstain from sin, we are able to be that light with Christ as we have connection vertically with God and horizontally with those around us. So... I charge you this morning to go and be a light for Christ in every way you can. The Christian life is, is a difficult life. It is, not a, it is not a life that is said that is going to be easy, but it is a life that is backed up with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it brings life change, and it brings joy to the heart personally and to those around you.